back to the Content That Grows podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Josh Palmer. Josh is the head of content for Onboard and their additional product, eScribe. He, he started his content marketing career as a staff reporter in 2006, then moved to companies like Angie's List and Zylo. Josh, excited to have you here today. We're going to be talking about uh, going beyond you know, content marketing and just you know, thinking about just blog content and how you can build it out. So excited to have you with us. Yeah, Nate, thank you for having me and a great pleasure to be here on the podcast. All right. So, you know, I think, you know, before we started recording uh, and kind of prepping for this, you shared some really impressive metrics, uh, what you've accomplished um, with Onboard. So I'd love for you just to kind of start with, like, tell us a bit about what Onboard does, first of all, and then uh, the growth you've seen over the last 12 to 24 months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Nate, you mentioned I'm, I'm with Onboard. Onboard is a, a board governance and collaboration platform. Uh, it serves a number of different industries, but if you just kind of uh, winnow it down to what, what the elevator pitch is, is basically if you're a, a board-led organization, of which there's there's more than 5 million you know, in North America alone, uh, anything from nonprofits to higher education to healthcare, um, we have a, a suite of software that, that enables you to, to better prepare, better execute, and then better kind of analyze your, your success and your effectiveness in that meeting. Um, so I joined two years ago, and there was not a, uh, an SEO or a content growth program in place. So it was a really great opportunity for me to kind of spread the good word about the product. Um, and so, you know, through kind of just iterative testing and, and just deploying some programs, we've, we've had some amazing growth. Uh, I can't take credit for all of it. Um, it certainly is, is a team effort. But yeah, when I joined in March of 21, we were about 15,000 monthly visitors. And then uh, we just wrapped up 2023. Uh, we, we hit the kind of high water mark of 100,000 visitors per month. Um, you know, we're, we're producing on the order of, of more than 200 content assets per year, a mix between you know, webinars, podcasts, blogs, videos, those types of things. Uh, one of the metrics I'm most proud of is that we were able to, to kind of offer, uh, alter, excuse me, alter our, our, our influence, our traffic mix to the website. When I started, uh, heavily dependent on paid and display advertising. Uh, we had a great word of mouth presence, but we didn't have a lot of really good search engine presence. Mm -hmm. um, so in 2022, we were about 33% of all of our traffic was coming from paid, 67% organic. And that was after, you know, just, a, it was even worse than 21 when I first joined, but it's just kind of iterative progress again. And then this year we wrapped up, we got that, that paid traffic mix down to 13 percent uh we'll always keep a portion of that because you can really highly target that and then make it much more effective but then our organic traffic was uh, overall at 87 percent, which is just um, that's awesome. bonkers to me even now when i say it yeah. um we're also really happy that you know I, we just came back from a a customer kind of experience conference and uh really you know the the bottom line is kind of the, the most important thing in, in whatever you're doing in a marketing activity um, so we were able to welcome more than a thousand new logos or new customers to our business in, in 23, which we're really excited about. Uh, and then just kind of just an ROI kind of, uh, it's very rough. It's, it's not highly accurate or, or but, um, you know, ROI, ROI uh, in terms of content investment to um, influenced or sourced ARR is about nine X. Yeah. Um, so just really, yeah, just really um, thrilled with, with our team and just what we've been able to do. So, yeah, that's, uh, it's really impressive. I appreciate you sharing the the details there. The the nine x thing for sure. You know, and obviously, you know, one of the the benefits there is is a lot of that. Um, it's not just you know a static thing, uh, transactional the way paid is. Like there's mm -hmm. you know you keep benefit like that that 
multiple should continue to grow, you know, over time. And, and then the, the other thing you mentioned that shift, um, being heavier on paid, the paid versus organic paid being heavier and then flipping pretty dramatically. Um, two things about that. One, I think it is like one of the most powerful things for like a early and growth stage company, um, especially as they head into like a subsequent fundraising round, you know, to be able to mm-hmm. show that, um, you know, eases a lot of concern that you're not just raising capital to, to pay your way through everything. Um, it's a bit more sustainable. And um, I think what, when people hear that, the, the first thought is like, oh, they reduced, they didn't have to spend as much on paid because they're spending, like they're getting more from organic and maybe that's true for you. But in reality, what often happens is like the budget actually stays similar or grows for paid, but the organic growth outpaces it so dramatically that it just drives it down as a percentage. And the whole is actually growing substantially more, not just that you just shifted the allocation. Yeah. I, you're, I think you're right on the money there that certainly we, we haven't, um, I wouldn't say, uh, uh, aggressively decrease what we were spending on paid. We're certainly uh, doing, uh, still investing in that channel, but that the organic growth, yeah, is certainly a bigger piece of the pie because it's grown so exponentially compared to yeah. paid, which is typically, like you said, a, a transactional environment where you're 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 fighting and competing for every ad and uh, you know bidding on uh, ads and, and keywords and those types of things. Um, we just yeah. reviewed this with our, our demand gen manager, and he said, you know. That 13% may not go down because we're, we're not only are we able to um, kind of reduce the spread that we have to address with paid because we're, we're shifted that spread or kind of that wider targeting into organic, but we're, we're much better able to get those, um, those right size buyers, the ideal customer profiles, the really, really high intent keywords that we're always going to spend money on. Um, but we're much more focused on that. So it's a much more efficient spend overall. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. And not to keep harping on this point, but I, I think it's uh, definitely a good one. It's like the the flip side, you know, that I've seen, you know, maybe a bit more in um, consulting and, and just like when I had chatted with people while I was still at Sprout, like, because um, we don't really do with paid with 10 speeds, so we don't get into that as much. But mm-hmm. um, the when you don't start building that and having, and even if it's not like SEO and and organic, if you don't have something else offsetting the paid, like it's, it's proven in like every year they do studies that just generally CPCs are increasing depending on the industry somewhere between like eight and 30%, you know, so that's automatically, you know, working against you. And to your point on like, you're seeing the benefit of your your ad dollars being more and more focused on the mm-hmm. high intent. When you're dependent on paid, then you are seeing the opposite. You have to try and keep going farther and farther. And the the wider you go, the more noise you have, you know, versus signal and you get less and less efficient spend. And it's just like a death spiral. Yeah. And just that conversion rate optimization is so much harder to figure out when you're you're chasing so many different terms. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the hypothesis when it came into the business was, yeah, we can we can do cost effective, efficient growth or organic, um, and we can continue that that line or that growth of of search traffic volume yeah. without having to increase the the investment like you do on paid to address more a wider market. 
Uh, for example, you know, we just wrapped up our budget and planning. I'm not spending any more on content uh, this year than I am last year, but we're going to continue to grow uh, that search volume and that search traffic because we have the snowball kind of already rolling down the hill, so to speak, and it just gets more efficient with the, the more uh, kind of content and just targeted um, search traffic uh, approach that you have there. I don't know if that's the word I would use. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you held a gun to me, uh, I held a gun to my head, but again, just once you get the, the snowball rolling down the hill and you're doing the right things on the, the, the technical back end and you start ranking, you know, and you're, you're refreshing content to make sure that it's staying in that competitive space or in those competitive SERPs, um, it's so much easier to maintain that traffic than to build it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I think it, for anyone who's listening and kind of thinking about how to, to do, to break away from that, if you are kind of in that, that pattern, um, the thing that I think we've seen, like a period where we've gained new clients is when a new head of marketing or you know acquisition or demand gen joins a company, sees that they're spending maybe 80 to 100,000 per month on paid search, if mm-hmm. not more, and they dig in and basically carve out you know, 15 to 20 K a month of the least effective spend things they just shouldn't be spending on, but they are because of that growth. Yeah. And they, they say, we're just going to pull, we're going to cut those campaigns, shift this over and start building this up. And so we, we get to be a part of that transition of, you know, changing the, the ratio of paid to organic. So, yeah. um, And you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there too, that, you know, you, you have to be able to identify that within the context of the organization and, and where it's at, at its growth stage. You know, you, you're going to have to pay for pay it if you're, you know, a net new company that just started up last month because there's no other way to do it. Um, but yeah, once you get in that stage where, you know, the specialists start coming on, uh, the, the mid-level uh, line managers, SEO strategists, you know, head of marketing. I joined six months after our head of marketing joined, which was a really good opportunity for me. Yep. Uh, but yeah, once you're starting to, to listen more and staff more with those specialists and not those marketing generalists, yeah, that's, that's typically where I've seen that strategy pay off as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's jump into the next point uh, and maybe kind of the main point of of the discussion is, is really um, – you mentioned kind of getting things going, getting the foundation, like, okay, we know things are working on the SEO side, we're creating content, we're getting traffic. Kind of talk us through the progression you've seen, kind of as you said, okay, we're doing that, we could put someone in charge or however you structure it. Now we're gonna start Mm -hmm. moving beyond just this, building on top of it, moving into like new types of marketing, new new types of content. Um, Yeah. Kind of walk us through what you've seen there. Absolutely. So yeah, I think just in context with my career might be helpful there too. So you, you mentioned that I started with Angie's List. I literally stat, started as a staff reporter on a, on a print magazine, which, which taught me kind of, uh, it was, it was brand journalism, but we was, we took the journalism part of it really seriously. Um, and that, as I grew with that company, it, you know, when I started, there were 200 people there. And when I left 10 years later, there were 2000. So it had a great growth story. I had the opportunity to work in a lot of different areas in marketing, just kind of progressively iterating through different teams and functions, but always with a, with a marketing mindset kind of first. Um, so when I, when I joined Onboard, uh, I had kind of a lot of experience in a lot of different areas. Uh, but like we mentioned on the pre-call, that um, you kind of have to start with the foundation of SEO. Everybody knows that that content pyramid of, you know, at the very bottom is high frequency. So that's your social posts. And the next one that's most important is your, your SEO because you want to be publishing on a much more frequent cadence than, and, um, you know, a little bit above social. 
Um, but, you know, as we were able to stand up these programs, we would kind of, you know, say, hey, this is this is working great. Everything's going as expected. The next bet I want to make is, let's say, webinars and thought leadership. We don't have a regular non-sales, non-demo webinar where we can talk about the things that are important to our prospects and our customers. Um, let them uh, hear from from experts and, and, and leaders in their field. Um, you know, I'll do an interview or I'll get somebody to do a presentation. We'll find a book author that wants to promote their book and just bring them on and have a conversation. Uh, so once you can kind of establish that first bet, you're, that gives you so much more leeway into to making other bets. Uh, our webinar program has been pretty successful too. Uh, so that led us into a podcast. It's it's not that different of a format. It's not that different content. Uh, just a new channel, right? And then of course, uh, you know, if you're if you're paying attention to the, the whole organization and you're you're in a position of maybe being a content market leader or a content strategist that has inputs into your sales teams, your customer experience teams, you can grow that success or, or grow those those kind of patches a little bit more. Say, hey, sales. What do you need in terms of assets? What could I do for you? You're, you're going to go speak at a conference. Can I help you with that presentation? Can I give you some notes based on the research I've done on our prospects or in our, our internal data? Yeah. Um, so as you, you kind of spread throughout the organization and build that connective tissue, people start to realize that content is not just blogs on the website. So we get search traffic. It's something that can be um, uh, a strength and a value for the, the wider organization if you're enabling other people's uh, other people's and other functions to do their job better just by the virtue of content. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that reminds me of um, uh, Emily Kramer from MKT1 talks about content being fuel, and you know, and mm -hmm. like marketing channels are, are different engines and stuff. Um, so yeah, I feel like that. I mean, would you agree with that? It kind of sounds like that's what you're saying, but you know, like. How do you see that play out? Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're you're kind of you you kind of um, practice um, proactive curiosity, you can find that fuel, that content, those stories in every pocket of the organization. There's a great story somewhere. You know, you're talking to a, a we have a great customer success manager on our team, or a, he's a, actually our, our education manager for uh, support materials. Just a, a one-off conversations. You know, I'm like what did you do before this? He was a producer on a on a um, Hollywood reality TV show. So, of course, I'm going to put that in an employee spotlight or something like that, because those are the interesting sure. things that you can find uh, in different pockets of the organization that um, elevate the brand and the, and the product beyond just being this transactional, I need software, hey, we provide it, where you're yeah. buying from people and having an authentic experience as part of that. And I think the more that you can show who you are as an organization, if you're a good organization like, like Onboard is, um, the, the more that people will trust you when it gets beyond that initial impression and maybe they're taking a phone call from an AE or that they have a problem with the, the product and they need contact support. So, um, yeah, that's, I, I just really love talking to people and, and hearing their stories. And I, I think I have a really dream job for being able to do that in a, in a brand kind of creative content capacity. So, yeah. Yeah. I, that's really, really smart. And I think, um, I was fortunate. I, you know, will admit that I wasn't necessarily the one driving, this, but I had the opportunity to witness some of the power of like, um, not just letting content be a marketing thing. Uh, when I, when I was at Sprout, um, and also just not like, you kind of assume like everyone in the company knows we're doing this. They're kind of aware of like what's available. That's very much not the case. Uh, like they're not keeping tabs on what, what you're tracking and, uh, so we had some people on our team that just started getting really good about mapping that out 
and saying, hey, look, we have over 3,000 blog posts. We have webinars. We have guides. And going to sales and kind of mapping out, like, here's some different things you're talking to so that when they get off a call, they can go, hey, we were just talking about this. Check out this this resource we have or whatever. And then same thing with, like, customer success and keeping people happy and, and upgrading. And same thing with customer support. Um, and just a lot of opportunities to equip them. And what, what really was eye opening to me was how like utterly excited people in those different parts of the company were to be like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea this existed. You've unlocked so much for me. And it really, you know, so we, we preach that a lot now It's just like helping companies understand the content isn't just for the search engine. It isn't just for that one webinar that maybe 30 people came, maybe 300 came. There's like so many things you can continue to do and spread out and then uh, move through it. And I actually want to go back to one thing you said, you talked about like in the sales presentation, like, Hey, I understand some stuff from the customer or like the research I've done. Like, I guess talk about that part, like really as a marketer, understanding the customer and your product and the impact that has on like developing strategy as well as it being an asset to the rest of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just, I'll cover off on one point that, uh, you know, one of your, your kind of, um, your playbooks or your blueprints that any content marketer should have is internal marketing. Cause like you said, if you yeah. build that presentation or that deck or that power or that PDF, and it just sits in a SharePoint drive or something like that, and nobody using it, it's useless. So you really have to do yeah. a lot of self advocacy and self promotion. I know that's uncomfortable for some people, but otherwise, you know, if you're building it and spending hours on this asset, blog, thought leadership, whatever, and nobody uses it, it's, it's essentially valueless. So mm-hmm. I, I, internal marketing is huge, any size organization. Um, yeah, so our customer profile, um, we've had the, the, the benefit of a lot of data. We've got um, some amazing demand gen. I call them marketing engineers because they literally come from comp sci and engineering backgrounds and they've just happened yeah. to be marketers. <laughs> so we're extremely data-driven. We've always been data-driven as an organization. Um, but in the board governance space, like I mentioned, you know, we have 5 million organizations that we could, we could address with our product, right? Uh, they sit in these discrete categories. Um, so nonprofit, higher education, credit unions, community banks, healthcare, uh, public companies, private companies, VC holding tech, all those things, um, they have their, their, their own unique nuance to them. So a nonprofit board, Although they're doing some of the same actions and motions as a credit union board or a public company board would do, that collaboration is much different. Uh, and so the, the way that we have to treat those customers or those prospects or those suspects when they're, they're uh, visiting us on the website is, is different. We have to create content that's tailored to their needs. So we spend a lot of time talking. Nonprofit is probably the, the, the highest um, uh, per percentage of our customer base by volume. Um, so, you know, we knew from the, the, the get go that we needed to tailor content to that category of customer for our product. Um, and then you, you go in a little bit of you, 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 said, you mentioned the, <clears throat> the internal research. One of the things that I love um, that I've been able to experience in every organization that I've gone to is, is just rich data. Um, that data, uh, you know, you may not be a, a survey a creator or a statistician or, a, you know, a kind of a, a more data oriented uh, person to begin with. But if you can interpret that data, not only for your organization and for the customers that you serve, but also for unique stakeholders within your your business, so that's sales or customer success, um, if you can't find and interpret that data for them, they're they're most likely not gonna do it on their own. 
Um, just a great example. You and I uh, had the pleasure of, of working together in Zylo. When I came to Zylo, uh, Zylo is a SaaS subscription management, um, basically a reference and a database. Um, so they can tell you that, you know, they get access to your system. They say, hey, you're, you're spending two times, you know, you're, you have two separate contracts for Zoom or some other collaboration software. You're spending X on this one. You're spending X on this one. Uh, if we did an enterprise account, we'd save you X amount of dollars. Um, so you'd get down data about users, about spins, uh, about, you know, actual activity on those apps, those types of things. Um, rich goldmine of data, like how do you get that out of the market? So like one of the things that I, I did and I'm still really proud of when I see it pop up on LinkedIn is like, we, we need to have a benchmark report. Let's crunch this data for people and, and tell them what we see behind the, the kind of the, the curtain of our, you know, crazy uh, machine learning uh, model. Uh, when I worked in healthcare, it was, it was a very similar thing. It was like, okay, you know, how many people are we serving per year? You know, what are the halo stats? What kind of uh, health outcomes are we driving? So it's applicable across every um, region, not every region, but every kind of type of industry. Yeah. Um, and then even finding those, those little, those little nuggets or, or gold mines of data within your organization, it might not be something that's customer facing, but something that you can do to inform sales. Um, I love Gong. If, if you're in an organization that, that has Gong, yeah. it is one of the most amazing tools you can ever think of to get customer messaging right, to get the customer questions on that first call right, to understand how sales is actually pitching the product and what's effective and what's not there. Um, you know, Gong isn't built for brand messaging, but I went through Gong, uh, pulled out some really interesting themes, maybe dumped some of those into an AI tool and said, hey, what are the themes on these 50 calls? Yeah. Um, and that got me to a really great update on our brand messaging because we're talking the way the customers talk when they're on the call. We're, we're answering their questions the way they should be answered from really highly successful sales folks. Um, and then other pieces of the data too, like uh, for instance, we do a really quick pre-discovery call survey for every one of our prospects. Um, I just recently found this information and I was just gobsmacked. We had more than <laughs> yeah. 1,200 responses on this pre-discovery call survey uh, over the last 18 months. And one of the one of the key questions is, um, are you using our product or, you know, are you using a product that's similar to ours today or using some other um, kind of functional way to complete your board meeting process? Sixty seven percent of our prospects said, no, we're using email and PDF. Um, you know, only one in four of our prospects was using a competitor. So for me, as somebody that, that works and thinks about like what the customer experience is when they're we're coming onto our website, it's like. We're not um, necessarily competing against, you know, these other software firms that are selling similar products. We're competing against old school yeah, yeah. email and PDF. So that really changes the messaging in the tenor. And even some of like, our content opportunities are a lot different. You know, we have competitive pages for our, our competitors, but we never had a competitive page for email and PDF. So that's just yeah, some yeah. of the, the things that like data and just staying curious about your, your company and your organization as a marketer can kind of can unlock for you. Yeah, that's that's really great, great stuff you shared. Um, and I agree the the insight there that you like a lot of folks do assume that there's a baseline. I mean, we we certainly ran into that at Sprout all the time. Like you assume someone was coming from a tool, and you you know then later learn like I there's a lot of people that go log into Twitter and then they go log into Facebook and then they log into Instagram like. They yeah, or I'm always it, you know, yeah, doing it very differently and going into each to pull metrics and all the stuff and um and yeah and just in general I mean it just a gong for sure like the it's so easy to just get like the um the proximity bias or whatever where you're just like 
you're in it. You you know it, and you assume that other people know it because you know mm-hmm. it. And you listen to a call, and you're like, "Are you serious? Like they don't know that it's on our website like four times, but like it, clearly it's not making its way to them, or it's not resonating in in a certain way." And it's really really humbling to just listen to. It can be torturous, you know, times to be like, uh, "Like I feel like you should know this," but it. The more you realize that, the more you realize like that's that's the reality is it's not clear to them and it's an opportunity yeah. to make it better. And that might be your customers or even your teams of just, you know, I, Hey, yeah. I, I sent out this brand messaging document that's supposed to be helpful for sales. And it's obvious that nobody's read it or that, you know, they're not saying the things that we think they should on the flip side. You know, if you're talking to a highly successful salesperson, like they don't need new messaging, they have got it down. You should be listening to them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's just one of those things, and, and you mentioned, you know, how does understanding how your product work and the customer base, the other thing that's really important for us is you think about, and we've learned this over two decades of, of being in this collaboration software environment, that the majority of our customers are, you know, our users are um, directors of boards, right? Um, and that's different at different at every different industry that we serve, uh, but for the majority of, the, of, of those, you know, the, your board of directors is probably the most senior and tenured and experienced people within your organization. Well, yeah. guess what? That means they have the least amount of kind of maybe digital savvy. They're not a digital native. Um, so when we talk about our product, one of the things that we talk about is ease of use. Like we've made it super simple. It's not this really complex, onerous uh, product to use because we know that the end user may not be the most digitally savvy person. Um, so that goes back into that that product customer kind of feedback loop as well is like we have to be letting people know that this is simple this is easy uh because they want it to be that way so yeah yeah uh, that's great um so i mean as we head towards wrapping up i would love to know uh you know it's still kind of in that spirit of you know moving on into new content types or uh channels or anything like that uh we'd love to know like what's what's new for you and you know to the to the extent that you can share kind of what you're how you're adapting your plans to not lose the momentum you've already built uh, while, while continuing to build in new things. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you, we're, we're continuing to invest in content. Um, so our onboard side of the house is one brand and then we have a, a kind of a category adjacent product that has a very unique ICP and eScribe that's for municipal uh, governments. So we get to have a very mature content and SEO and marketing program already set up on, on kind of our, our big brand, so to speak. And then we get to do the, the fun, like, hey, we're going to take this from zero to one on our smaller brand, smaller addressable market with our, our eSky product. So that's really fun to have kind of two content operations uh, operating at the same time, and they're different scales and have different needs and wants. It keeps it fun and interesting. Uh, I might be undiagnosed ADD, so I have a, a short attention <laughs> span in that regard. Um, but certainly continuing our thought leadership programs, we're, we're yeah. trying to do a better uh, job on our podcast. I, I know that like um, podcasts, not only for listens, but you, you know, your podcast, I see it all up time in my feed, but like thinking about that in a different way of, you know, listens and subscriptions, isn't the metric we're chasing. We're chasing social engagement and audience development. How can we you know, cut that to make sure it's the, the, the best possible um, display of our brand and our thought leadership in, in a social environment and not just in, you know, Apple music or um, Google play store, those types of things. And then one of the things I'm really excited about is that, you know, we just came off this uh, customer experience conference literally last week. I'm still processing some of my photos for it. Um, But there was a strong alignment that um, we have to be uniform and standard across every touch point of our customer experience um, from their first visit on the website all the way through their, you know, their implementation and their training, then the renewal, their advocacy or referral program. 
Um, so I'm really ex excited to be able to like dive into the rest of the business and, and see all the unique ways that we could, you know, help support or, or be supported by other parts of the business. Um, and then we have a really strong, uh, like I mentioned, our, our customer profile is, uh, there's a lot of people in nonprofit. Uh, there are a lot of people in uh, higher education. Uh, board governance isn't kind of a very clear, transparent thing that a lot of people know about. It's it's very opaque. It's it's behind a closed door. You think about it, it's the highest strategic level of an organization. So it can't be um, transparent, but there's this great appetite from our users to know more about the product, not our product. So, so <clears throat> excuse me, I'll start over. To know more about um, that, that human system of governance, how those processes work. Um, so we're, we're looking at things of, you know, anything from an LMS to, you know, maybe we, we provide some kind of certification or continuing education credit, uh, you know, get a credit to be a provider in that or build a community because we, we know through our content and the way that the people have engaged with it, um, even anecdotally, you know, I, hey, I came to your website. Um, I served on a, a committee position for a number of years on this, this nonprofit, and they asked me to become a board chair. You know, the first thing I Googled, how to become a board chair. Your website came up and gave me the information I needed. Yep. Uh, so we had this educational experience and they said, you know, and then when the time came, we, we said we're going to evaluate a new product. You're the first person I thought of. Yep. So how do we build more of that community and just that, that unity among our customers of like, hey, we're here not just to sell you a product, but to help you get better at your job in the next stage of your, your board professional career. Um, so that's really exciting for me, even, you know, three, four years into the, into the job so far. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, cool. Hopefully I didn't it, catch it too much. <laughs> no, no, I, it's great. I think it's it's the necessary context, right? Like it's hard to appreciate the the content program part of it without, you know, understanding the, the product a bit more. So Yeah. And that's and, the one thing I and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I always like uh, you know, I I'd say this in, in a not a flippant way, but I, I feel like curiosity is sometimes underrated. Um, if you can overcome that that feeling of, you know, I'm going to ask a stupid question on the all hands call about our financials, or I want to know, you know, what is that investment that we got from a PEVC from? How's that going to be applied? Um, just a better understanding of the business, not just the marketing function or just like how content plays in it. I, I feel like that's always been kind of the thing that's unlocked the next steps in my career is knowing how the business runs and how my small patch fits into that overall program. Um, if you don't know that, you're kind of going in blind or not being able to, to fully optimize that that portion of the or that function of the business overall. Yes. All right. I'm going to say this because you brought that up. I 100% <laughs> agree. And I think the two two things, or uh, we'll call it three, the two things within the business that I think are the most powerful things to understand as a marketer um, is one like buddy up with finance and really understand because <laughs> marketing's like, job is to spend money. You got to do yeah, a good like, job. Yeah. You, you, I think there's a, a tendency to like come up with this cute way that you've like justified the investment. And when you see the reality of that and from the top level view, understand you're, you're talking about like investing in this or increasing your spend or giving you a headcount versus this part of the business or making the product, but like it's, you have to gain that appreciation for like how the money is managed and like where investments come from to really bolster that up. And the second is really understanding how your product is built and like how it's made and the engineering side of it, I think uh, can seem 
excessive and, and unnecessary, but really understanding um, a lot of that, I think goes a long way. And then the third, which is like outside of your company is if you're in SaaS, I think you need to understand how, um, how venture funding works and like, you know, the, the importance and like why people like, it's not like, Oh, we rah, rah, let's hit our goal. You know, I think it's, it's like, we have to hit these numbers because this is the benchmark to raise our next round based on our spend rate. If we don't hit that, then we have to raise a down round or we have to, uh, cut, you know, resources and, and staff to like preserve runway until we reach that milestone. So we can round, like, there's a lot of things that's like, understand the, the type of company you're in, understand the, the ecosystem, how it works, how investments are made is, is dramatically important. Yeah. And just having that, that context of, uh, you know, are we at the end of our runway or at the beginning of our runway? Like that can give you some, some foresight to like how much budget accountability am I going to have this year? How much, you know, analysis and, and kind of business case building am I going to have to do for a new program? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we received our last round, you know, the first year after a new round, it's, it's, it's pretty much a lot of, uh, a lot of investments get green light right away. When you get into year two, three, or four, like you have to be much more judicious with that cash to preserve that runway. I think the other thing too is, is Nate, you, you mentioned this and you're strong in this and, you know, just knowing what those acronyms mean, like CAC, like why is that important <laughs> yeah. to us? Customer acquisition yeah. cost, you know, yeah. uh, return on ad spend, those types of things. If you can justify your spending, um, even if you don't know the acronyms, but know how your department's finances flow into the, the rest of the business and how it, uh, maybe improves. It might be your own little patch of metrics to say search volume or uh, domain rating or those types of things. Really important just to have a business mindset about it because otherwise you're just, you know, barking up the content tree. And then the last thing I, I think that's really important too is just um, like you mentioned, understanding the ecosystem, understanding how you play against competitors, just understanding where you're in the business um, and, and how um, the, the impact that you can create. Uh, I've always had the pleasure of, of having people who are always really open and, and transparent as co-founders or leaders in the business. Yeah. And most people, if you ask them, they're happy to answer it because that means you have a deeper and richer understanding that the business works and how you can uh, make a greater contribution. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very inspiring message today. Little, <laughs> I think we could go for another hour. So, uh, Dude, I, I, I did one with Jimmy daily and it went to like an hour 15. I was just like, I'm so <laughs> yeah. It's all, all good stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back and we'll, we'll do part two. I would, yeah, I would love it. And especially like even getting into like operational stuff, like how's your team yeah. built? Like, what are you investing? I love talking about that stuff. So I'm, yeah. I'm a geek in that regard. So. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It's a, uh, it was a, a great conversation. So we'll wrap it up. Um, for anyone still listening with us at this point, um, be sure to um, check out content that grows on the, the platform of your choice, you know, Spotify, um, uh, Apple, Amazon, any of those. And uh, please like and subscribe and get future episodes. And we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Nate. It's been fun. <laughs>